everyone. Good morning. Hello, everyone. Hi there. My name is Lorraine. If you don't know who I am, I decided this morning was Christmas uh, and I put on my warmest jumper, which happens to be this one. Um, yesterday, I borrowed a Christmas jumper from my husband and it was the most amazingly cosy Christmas jumper. So I can recommend every week wear your Christmas jumpers and you'll be fine. Um, so nice to see you this morning. A big welcome to you if you're here in the room. If you're watching us online, I know a lot of people um, wanted to be here this morning, including my own mother, um, but she is a bit poorly at home, and a few people are, so a big warm welcome to you if you're watching from home, and lots of warm wishes from us for you to get, all get better, um, so we can all be back together soon. Um, my name is Lorraine, and I'm married to the wonderful Dave, who's at the back. Uh, we have three children, and in my day job, some days a week, I am a secondary school teacher. I teach religious studies, which is a lot of fun. And this morning, I am finishing off our, um, our topic, series, that's the word, not unit, series on James. So I'm going to be speaking to you this morning about wanderers and rescuers. There's two verses that I'll be speaking to you about, but before, I thought it might be quite nice, as we're finishing off this series this morning, to hear what some people have said about what they've enjoyed about this particular series in James. So I asked a few people, and here's some of the things that, they, that have stood out for them, if you like, from this series. One of the things that stood out for me was from Jason's preach right at the beginning, introducing James as the brother of Christ and all that is wrapped up in that sibling rivalry. And yet he still talks about how he's become a slave of Jesus. Somebody else said that something that really struck them was that God requires integrity, generosity, and humility. I really like the idea of my alongside friend helping me. I found this series brilliant, but very tough. What a challenge. I'm pretty poor at being patient or long-tempered. I think my biggest takeaway was to continue to hang on to God even through the most difficult of times. To hang on to God and to fill my mind with his goodness and his encouragement especially when my anger can so easily grow into roots of bitterness and resentment. James sets the expectations high. Yes, he does. Uh, we can't only listen to the word. However, deep wells are available from him when we need them. And there's two more. Jesus was kinder to us than we are to ourselves. One thing that struck me often with James is that he didn't mince his words. He knew what he had to say was so, was so important that sugarcoating would only dilute it. And I love that. This wasn't me, by the way, but I love that too. I think that Jesus is like that too. And we often ignore the obvious guidance of the voice of God in pursuit of something less radical and more palatable. This is a big takeaway from the series on James for me. So we have the last two lines of this amazing book, and I have the privilege uh, to stand here before you and present to you perhaps some thoughts that I believe that God has given me to share. So let's pray, and then we'll read the passage. Lord, we just take a moment to rest in your presence and give you thanks for who you are. And I pray this morning that your love may bowl everybody over. 
that whatever I have said, uh, prepared to say today, would actually be full, full of your Holy Spirit. And anything that you do not want people to hear, they will just not listen, or will, it will just fall away. I pray that it will be your heart speaking to people this morning. And I thank you that you sustain us, you are a sovereign God, and we thank you for your love. Amen. So James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Boom. The book ends. No goodbye, no nothing. So... This morning, I'm going to ask you a question, and the question is basically very straightforward. Are you a wanderer, or are you a rescuer? And I had a conversation with the wonderful Matt, who was leading us before, about a particular song that I would have requested him to play, and it wasn't the one he sang about Jesus being my rescue, so praise the Lord. <laughs> James really does quite intrigue me, um, and I decided to just do a little bit more digging into who James is, because I just want to make sure that we could all 100% put our trust in what we've been listening to for the last two or three months. You see, Jesus came from a big family. And it's very funny when I tell the kids at school that Mary didn't stay a virgin. They're like, what? Hang on a minute, what? That's quite a fun conversation. And Jesus actually had um, quite a few brothers and sisters. So he had, um, there was James, who's always mentioned first, so he's probably the oldest. We have Joseph, we have Simon, Judas, and two sisters, or more than two sisters. So we had at least six siblings. That is a very big family. James had seen two years of Jesus' ministry, but he was still very, very sceptical. And in John 7, verse 5, it says, For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So when he was alive, he didn't, James didn't believe that his brother was who he said he was. That was said about six months before Jesus was crucified. But it was after Jesus had healed a man who had been disabled for 38 years. It was after Jesus had fed 5,000 people with 5,000 men, sorry, and more because of the women and the children as well, of course. Um, and he'd also seen him walk on, Jesus had walked on water. So He'd seen a lot, but to be fair to James, it's probably quite hard to believe that the brother that you've grown up with was actually the son of God. So what actually happens? In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7, we, can, we see that Jesus appears to James after the resurrection. And he sees his dead brother walking and talking, and suddenly the light goes on. He believes that he is the Christ, he is the Son of God who is sent to save our sins. And of course, we've gone back time and time again to this first verse in James. James, he introduces himself in chapter 1, verse 1, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus. After the ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, James was one of the apostles who was there. He was one of the ones who was praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit. He was one of the ones who was one of the 120 who was filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. From the moment that James encounters the risen Lord Jesus, he is devoted to serving him and his church. 
You see, it was James and Peter who led the early church. And then Paul meets him about 10 years on. And at this point, he's an elder of the church and he is an apostle and his teaching holds masses of authority. He's still the head of the church in Jerusalem years later. He has authority, he has wisdom, he is respected, and he is fair. Last week, Pete talked um, about his nicknames. What a great nickname of old camel knees. Nice. Always on his knees praying. If you haven't heard the talk from last week, do most certainly take time to catch up. James, the servant of God, speaks to us and has spoken to us of um, words of encouragement, of words of rebuke, which has been quite hard. Um, he's focused on faith in action. And this morning, we're going to talk about how imperative it is to watch out for each other. Because this morning, the verses that we've just read are a matter of life and death. Scripture doesn't actually record the death of James. The historian Josephus does. And he records his death between a time of Roman uh, transition between two Roman governors around 62 AD. And actually, James was killed. He was thrown from the summit of the temple in Jerusalem, but that didn't actually kill him. He was then beaten and stoned to death by the Jewish leaders. My brothers and sisters, If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So I split my talk into three this morning. The first two kind of go together. The first and the second bit are basically why do uh, we wander away? The second bit is, where is my helpful friend? And the third bit is asking ourselves the question, are we wanderers or are we rescuers? So firstly then, why does my mind, my legs, my soul, everything wander away from the Lord? Because to be fair, wandering actually sounds quite nice. Uh, When was the last time that you wandered around aimlessly? I found this quite hard to remember. If you perhaps picture yourself wandering, maybe you're on holiday or you're going shopping when it's like, Relaxing, not a Christmas. Um, Does James actually mean physically wandering or spiritually wandering? You see, wandering is quite an aimless thing to do. And you're moving from place to place. There's no real issue with time. You can got an agenda. It doesn't really matter. I'd say who's really good at wandering? Our daughter. She is like the slowest person in the whole world. And it infuriates me because I am not. But I've learned a lot. It's quite appealing to think, oh yeah, I'd like to spend a day wandering around. For my birthday a couple of months ago, Dave and I went to Kingston and we did a little bit of wandering around. But then we're like, oh, we have to go back now. Let's pick up the children. Wandering is great. But actually, what we're talking about here is, even though it does sound appealing, it's not the aimless wandering. It's actually wandering away from something that James is saying. And the thing that we're wandering away from is the truth about the love of Jesus Christ. And wandering's not really a deliberate thing. It just sort of happens. It sort of sneaks up on you. And actually, when we wander off, we can wander off track. And actually, we can wander off into dangerous territory. And actually, we don't realize. So there's two little reasons here, perhaps. Why do we wander? Well, first of all, maybe because we're not very focused. 
I'm too overwhelmed by my life. I'm too overwhelmed by too many things. I cannot fathom what I should do. I am just kind of hanging in there and I'm bombarded by the busyness of life. I've got no margins. I've got no kind of space to check in on myself. I'm just distracted by getting through the day. It starts in our mind and when we say yes to too many things. And that means that our eyes are not on the purposes of Jesus. Our body is kind of heading off in a different direction and we're very distracted by like the really important things. You know those things you think are really super important at the time and then you look back and you think, no, it really wasn't, was it? Our mind is not on the purposes of God. We are distracted. The, the things that wander, sheep. Sheep wander. Sheep wander on the hillside, they spend their life on the hillside, and hopefully they're guided by the good shepherd into safety. But we remember that when one wanders off, all the other ones follow too. And I'm afraid, friends, this morning, we do that too. We follow each other, perhaps physically or spiritually or emotionally. And fortunately, Jesus spoke a lot about people who are um, people being like sheep without a shepherd. And he always spoke about those people with such compassion. And we're wandering, wandering from Jesus' truth and his leadership. You see, truth is a living thing. Truth is quite amazing. Truth changes lives. I'm a big fan of the truth. Our son's name means truth. Emmet means truth, and you find it all throughout the Bible in Hebrew. And he's quite a truthful chap. He probably says the truth too many times, uh, but actually I'm really proud of him for that. Hopefully as he goes into secondary school, he'll be able to rein it in a little bit. Um, otherwise, yeah, people don't like it when, uh, when that happens and you, they dob on each other. Um, I won't say what they say about that. Um, so when we take time to actually think about the truth, and if you can take a moment now and think, oh, when was the last time I really found out the truth about something? You almost go like, oh, the, li the light's gone on. And suddenly you have purpose and direction and meaning, and you can make a plan. I like a plan. Um, but if you claim to know the truth, the Bible says that you can't just talk about it. You need to do it. Jesus, of course, says in John 8 that the truth sets you free. And I am absolutely certain that that is 100% true. There is revelation and freedom when it comes to the truth. One of the biggest moments in our life when we realised the truth was in February 2017. We were on the M4. It's not very scenic. Um, but I remember I was in the front of the car and um, I, was turn I turned around to say something to our son who was sitting behind Dave who was driving. Um, and I'd thought of a, a scene I'd seen unfold before me the, the, the previous morning. So it was a Saturday. And on the Friday morning, I'd seen a little girl in my son's class who is 10. And he wasn't 10 then. He, and he... Um, was sort of going down the steps into school. And this little girl in his class, um, we'll call her Gemma, she waited for him so that they could walk in together. And I thought, well, that's nice, isn't it? I was glad he had a friend. And he was in year one. And I turned around to him and said, oh, I said, Evan, I said, um, wasn't it nice that Gemma waited for you like at the, at, the, at the bottom of the stairs yesterday morning? He looked at me and he went, with such anger and frustration, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I suddenly went, oh. You see, the backstory to this is Dave and I have struggled for years to understand our son. And it dawned on me in that moment, he's autistic. He doesn't have any social skills. 
He doesn't know that it's normal to say hello to somebody or polite to say thank you. And suddenly, it was like the light went on and I was like, oh. And all those years of struggle and misunderstanding suddenly were brought into the light. And suddenly, I knew that we could do something to help him. We were on a very long journey. Excuse me, very long journey with that, and it's quite an emotional one, as you can imagine. But you know what? Life is too short to be wandering in the dark. And in Psalm 139, it talks about <laughs> life is very much too short to be wandering around in the dark. And in Psalm 139, we don't have to be afraid because, of course, darkness and light are the same to Jesus. But let's not waste time being deceived. Jesus is the bringer of light, and what more apt time to talk about that than right now? He is the bringer of truth. And what is this truth? Well, this truth is very exciting. This truth is the gospel truth. It is the gospel truth that God loves the world so much. His love is so enormous that he sacrificed himself. He sacrificed to win us back to redeem us and have relationship once more with his people. God's final outpouring of love is Jesus on the cross. You see, it was necessary because of the fall and the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Time and time again, we see as we read through the Bible that God reaches out to humanity and he tries again and again to rescue us, and again and again we fail. The kings, the judges, the people of God live their own way. But the glory of God is shown in Jesus. In Colossians 1, verse 19 to 20, the most amazing passage. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Through Jesus we are reconciled to God and it's nothing that we can do. Jesus has done it all. And yes, of course, faith and action 100% go together, but faith comes first. We can know God through Jesus and we can be set free by this truth. This is the basic law of love that nobody is exempt from. You see, Christianity is an incredibly inclusive religion. And I love teaching about this when we talk about prejudice and discrimination at school, particularly with my year nines. And we talk about the love of God and how Christians believe in forgiveness and love and equality. Christianity has been badly misinterpreted over time, but actually, if you read the Bible, the theme of love is very, very, very clear. God cares for everyone. The poor, the marginalized, those people who nobody else wants to talk to. Jesus shunned the rich. Jesus reached out to the lost and to the broken. And actually, James makes special reference to the believers in Galatians 2, verse 10. It's, he talks about actually how the believers should make special, to take special care to look after the poor. Whatever has happened in your life, in our lives, nobody is beyond help. Nobody is lost to God. C.S. Lewis, one of my theological heroes, said this. Uh, it's not on the screen, sorry. 
The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men. I'll say it again. The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men. God is good. So why else do we wonder? We're not focused. Secondly, perhaps it's because we're not really sure where we belong. Maybe we're a bit confused and we're not really understanding our identity as, uh, as God's child. So we have three children and third time round, I was relatively calm in the labour ward. Not that, but pretty calm comparatively. And um, we had some music playing, it was lovely, and um, it was worship music. And um, <laughs> the song that came on was um, this song and the lyric is, goes like this. This is like as I'm about to give birth. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Maya was born. <laughs> like, it was literally like that. And Dave's nanny, who's 94, who we went to see on the M4 on Sunday, that was us last week, um, she said, oh, Maya... She is God's child, and she didn't know about the song. She's a Christian. She prays for us every day. Bless her. Thank you, Rose. And Maya has her middle name as uh, hers own as well. You see, we are his. We belong to Jesus. And this belief that our lives are holy and precious and God-given is actually a belief which underpins everything. And it's got a great name, this belief. Uh, it's it's called the sanctity of life, and it's quite fun to say slowly in front, of a in front of a bunch of year tents. The sanctity of life is this concept that all of our lives are God-given, they are precious, and they are holy. And actually, if you think about your identity in this concept of like wandering, if you don't believe that your life is precious or God-given, then actually, hmm, maybe the direction and purpose of your life doesn't really matter that much. My identity as God's child is a really difficult idea. I became a Christian in this hall 23 years ago, and it's been a long journey. I still find it hard. But if you read verse 19, it makes it very clear. If somebody wanders, then we are to remind people of the truth and gently bring them back. Wandering does happen, because life's really hard, and life's really confusing. But actually, we should bring each other back to where we belong. So we come to the second part, which is shorter, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, so we've talked about why do we wander, and the second part is about who are these kind friends who are going to help us? Let's be fair, we've all got these really honest, like too honest friends in our lives. You know, the people who you think, oh, I don't think I want to hear their opinion on that, so I won't go to them. I know, I'll go to somebody else who will say what I want them to hit, want to hear. But we've all got those friends whose opinion we would avoid if we know we won't like it. But actually, these people are incredibly precious in the church and in the body of Christ. They're the ones who are watching out for your welfare, who are watching out to care and to rescue you and bring you back. We can be a Brit, I can be a bit British and a bit taboo and not, you know, not like to talk about difficult things. Uh, and sometimes I find like prayer can be a bit like that too. 
from actually if we're with um, a small group of good Christian friends and we're talking about someone who's, who's not well, we just talk about it. Um, actually, one of us, it wouldn't feel as natural maybe to say, oh, let me pray about that. But actually, it should. It should be normal to pray. Quick story. So I thought I'd broken my ankle in the summer, but I ignored it and carried on. And then in September, no, when was it? About a month or so ago, um, my husband said to me, I think maybe you should go to, to get that checked out. So I went and got it checked out, and they told me I had broken my ankle two months before. I was like, oh, well, that's a bit frustrating, isn't it? And so I had this boot, and I was hopping around. And it was um, on the 30th, on the light party day. Anyway, when I went to the hospital, um, the nurse who was um, looking after me um, was only using her right hand, and her left hand looked kind of swollen. And I thought, oh, are you okay? And she said, oh, no, I think I fractured my hand. And I said, oh, have you had an x-ray? Oh, no. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, if I have x-ray, then, and it's broken, which I'm pretty sure it is, I can't work. And I just, it just hit me. I was like, at the end, so I did it at the end. I said, now, I know you think this might be a bit weird. I said, but I'm a Christian, and I believe that Jesus can heal your hand. So please let me pray for you. Um, so I did, and who knows if her hand got fixed. But I was obedient and prayed for her and just, yeah, pray. let's pray for our doctors. Let's pray now. Let's pray for our NHS now. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, we just lift up every person here who knows and loves someone who works for the NHS. Uh, we lift up all the doctors and the nurses and the medical profession who are trying their very, very best in these really difficult times. We pray for your anointing on them and your blessing on them, particularly this nurse who is looking after me so beautifully. And we just pray for your strength and your provision for them right now. Amen. Amen. So let's be watchful. Let's be watchful for each other's welfare. And let's persistently follow the truth. You see, our lives are a reflection of the truth. Many of you have non-Christian friends, and you are the only person that they know who loves Jesus. Then they see you, they see Jesus. Faith is a window through which other people see Jesus. And I talked about that a little while ago. You are that friend. You are the friend to bring back people and help them to see Jesus. You see, some people are good at asking for help, like the wonderful blind Bartimaeus story in Mark chapter 10. He is desperate for Jesus to heal him, and he's calling out to him. Or you've got in five chapters before, Jairus, who's equally desperate for Jesus to heal his daughter, and they ask for help, and those ones are quite easy to spot. But actually, some people don't ask for help. I am terrible at asking for help. And we all need bringing back. So let's be alert and watchful and ready to rescue people. So this bit is where you get to go, oh, which one am I? Am I the wanderer? Am I wandering away? Or am I the rescuer? And it's easy to think which camp you'd like to be in. But let's just throw a few questions out and see, what, see if you can have a think about this. What's going on with the direction of your life right now? Are you purposeful or are you lacking in purpose? Have some of the things that you've seen appealed to you in life and kind of distracting you from what you really know perhaps is, is the pursuit of your life? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and think, yeah, I'm actually quite ready to, to challenge maybe some of the things I'm giving my time to. Maybe the direction that my life is going in. Can you identify what truth you are living by?
Have you believed any lies that actually say, well, it doesn't really matter? Are you lost? Scared? Lacking control? I know I certainly feel like this. This week has been very hard. Are you afraid of what the future is going to bring in 2022? You see, I was pondering this, and this was really quite a struggle for me, and I thought to myself, what would happen if instead of worrying about how I'm going to compose my next email to our solicitors or the local authority about the challenges we face with our son and, and like receiving the support he needs. Instead of thinking about that, maybe I should like pour out my worries and like shout and scream and cry and pray and praise Jesus instead. Or maybe instead of in my head thinking, I know if I do this, this, this and this, I can preempt the huge meltdown that will happen when I say it's bedtime. Instead of thinking like that, maybe I should pray about how I communicate or just ask Jesus to come into the situation like every day, every minute. I think maybe that wandering is a bit more like drifting, like drifting on our, on like a, a <laughs> drifting on a sea of our own pain and anxiety and stress instead of allowing Jesus to steer us and to lead us, too afraid to let go of the little boat that is your life. But Jesus says, do not fear, wandering friend. His thoughts to you are always good. You see, our identity lies with him, and he is ready to come and find you and rescue you. In his grace, and his compassion, just like the story of the father looking out every day for his son who has gone, looking for his lost son. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the gate, and unfortunately, we are the foolish sheep. We follow each other instead of Jesus leading us into truth. We run off cliffs and we get stuck in holes, and it's not very pleasant. God wants to find you. And we can enter his holy presence, the holy presence of the King of Kings through faith in Jesus. His beauty and his majesty is something to behold. We cannot wander off if we are gazing into the throne room of the King. But of course we can't do it alone. And these wonderful kind friends help us. But of course, it's, it's the Holy Spirit, our alongside friend who helps us and intercedes and guides us and reminds us of our identity in Jesus. We are his children. Our hearts can be so easily led, but Jesus is truth. Or maybe you identify with the rescuer. You have the same mindset as the king. Your heart, your mind, your eyes are open and ready to chase those and, and go after those people who are lost. And the scripture says, if we can save them, we bring them back from certain death. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. You see, to find this truth, this saving truth, is to be rescued. That's the rescue. 
from ourselves, our pain, our stress, our overwhelming circumstances. The rescue is the truth, to find out the truth that Jesus loves you exactly as you are. You do not have to change. You just need to turn to him and be available. And when we find that Jesus loves us and we find Jesus as our saviour, it says here that it covers a multitude of sins. That's like every sin, like all of them. Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice, one-time sacrifice forever. And he covers our sin in his love. This is an interesting word. This concept of covering is basically this idea of atonement. Our sin is put out of sight by Jesus' sufficient sacrifice. Peter talks about covering sin in relation to the love that we bear for each other. If we are accountable and confess our sins to each other and have this, we have this loving duty to care and pursue those people who are wandering. And remember, wandering kind of just happens. It kind of sneaks up on you, so we don't realize. Jesus covers us. So what does that mean? If you think about maybe like if you've never put some money aside for something, like you're trying to financially plan for like an extension or, or something, you put money aside and you say, oh, that will cover it, and then you pay for it, and then it's forgotten and it's done. The verb to cover is this idea of total and sufficient payment, and it's the sacrifice through the blood of Jesus that accomplishes this. God has dealt with sin and the separation. We just need to say yes. We are his and we belong to him. Through Jesus we can have relationship with God himself. Through his atoning sacrifice he covers you. He's paid for you, this Jesus, this Jesus who loves you and his rescue plan is complete. Friends, he is the one who saves you from your stress when you feel like you can't cope anymore. You see, the word here is, is for a certain death, and actually that's quite a challenge. This death is the ultimate spiritual, this ultimate separation from an eternal God that loves you. If you haven't realized that you veered off, then you need friends to come and help you and to rescue you. Can we have the band back, please? So are you wandering this morning? Are you wandering away from Jesus and his truth? Or are you where you belong? Is your mind focused and secure in the knowledge that Jesus loves you, you are his child? Maybe ask, I'll ask you in five minutes and maybe it's changed. <laughs> but, but actually, it's a really, really important question as we finish this book together. If, is Jesus in charge and, and the one that you are following? Is he your truth or are you following something else? You can say yes to Jesus for the hundredth time today or for the first time today. Let's be alert. Let's, ooh, that made me alert. <laughs> Let's be alert. 
as we finish and help each other to turn to Jesus. You see, Jesus won't stop seeking you. That's the good news because he loves you and you are the most precious to him. Will you decide to allow yourself to be rescued? Thank you.